You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Oh, kia ora. Good morning, church. Atamaria, how are you doing this morning? Wow, we got a full house hanging out here in Whangarei. Welcome, everybody. If, uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Steve. I'm senior pastor at Elam Christian Center. I've met a few of you guys before, but there's a few new faces in the room, so it's pretty uh, exciting to be able to be here with you guys today. And uh, just, uh, I got on the flight this morning, got up from Auckland up here to Whangarei, so it's just cool to be able to be here with you guys. Can we just take a moment just now to pray real quick, just before I share the Word of God today? Let's take a moment. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for each person that's here today. Thank you for our stories and our journeys. Thank you that you're good. Thank you for a good plan for us, Lord, that you have a, a way of working miracles in situations that seem so untenable. Thank you that you have a way of bringing beauty out of ashes. And so, God, we just trust that you are here today, that you're moving, that you're working. God, that you will use me in some way to encourage this great church, to stir faith in people, to put courage in people. Lord, to put a heart of resilience to follow you no matter what may come. I pray, God, you just bless whatever we do from now through the end of this service, Lord, that you just have your way, Holy Spirit, that even in this moment you just talk, you'd speak, you'd move. Lord, beyond anything I say with my own mouth, may the voice of God be evident in this place. We just pray that all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I've titled this message today, uh, Weathering the Storm. Um, so, because I thought that might be a little bit appropriate, considering uh, what we've just gone through over the last week or two, and us down there in Dorkland, uh, we have been uh, going through a lot of it. Um, we, it's, we've had the floods, and then we've had the cyclone, and you guys have been through it as well, and we've been weathering some storms, and our nation is currently weathering a storm as well, which is, um, you know, our, our nation just needs our prayers, it needs uh, our generosity and our heart towards them, so, you know, there's a lot to go through, but uh, what I'd love to do today, I want to do something a little bit different, I actually want to share the, the story of the storm I've weathered for the last three years, and um, I don't know many of you, so I know, I, know, I know lots of you, I know many of your faces here today, but I might be a bit unfamiliar to some of you, but I've been around this joint for a little while, I've been doing ministry now for 20 years, uh, it was a 20 years on staff, just last year, my wife and I, Bex, uh, we spent four years here leading this campus, and we so love every, we just love North, we love Whangarei, we love this church, we love everyone who has been on that journey with us, and the new people that have got on the journey as well. Um, but I want to share the, the journey of weathering this last three years of storm for me in my life. And um, I felt God leading me to share this. I felt as I was preparing to come, I just felt that God was asking me to share my journey, my story. And I want to share it, um, not to um, in some way elevate the storm, but I want to elevate God in the midst of the storm. And I want to, I want to share this because I want to build faith in you. I want to put courage in you. I want to encourage you. And I, and I really feel that there's some people here today that this is going to give some answers to some big questions that you are facing in your current reality. And so I want to, I want to do that. Is that okay? So it's going to be a bit different. And I, I want to, I want to, um, let you know that I'm going to be pretty vulnerable today, and I'm going to be very open. I'm going to be very honest, and there may be some tears, maybe some tears from you, maybe some tears from me. I don't know. But if you're a crier, get ready, get your tissues ready. Some some people, it's like like they turn the water on easy. You know, there's some people, it's just water comes easy to them. They just you don't have to say much, and they just start weeping. But I want to share this, um, and I, and I will be vulnerable. I will be honest because um, this has been a storm. 
the last three years for me. In 2019, my wife Bex and I, we went on our um, a sabbatical leave. So we'd been in ministry for over 15 years and, and uh, we went on sabbatical leave, went to the UK and as part of our leave, we we're getting some time out as a family and we went and uh, I did some preaching while we were overseas. While we were away in 2019, I actually got a virus. I don't know, I didn't know why I was sick. I didn't know what I had. I just, I, um, doctors tell me that I got some kind of virus. But while we were away and while we were traveling, uh, this virus somehow got into my system and it actually made its way right into the, the balance center in my right ear. So within your ear, you've got two different centers. You've got the audio center where this does your hearing, but you've also got a little organ that controls, helps you with balance, helps you know where you are in space. And so when you get dizzy, it's because that organ's gotten a bit messed up. So I was preaching in a church in Birmingham, England, and midway through the second service and my second time preaching that sermon, I got hit with a massive hit of vertigo. So I'm literally doing what I'm doing now, and I just, I, can be, I can't stand up. The room just turns, and I'm like, whoa, in the midst of preaching the message, and I have to kind of sit down, and I've by the grace of God, somehow make my way to the end of the sermon and people get saved and God does amazing things. But I'm like, what the heck is going on with me? Because I'm just having these waves of vertigo. Just the room is spinning. I can barely stand up. And uh, that lasted for a few days. And then what happened after that was that this sensation of not really knowing where I am in space just stuck around. The room stopped spinning, but I kind of didn't. It was like I, I was always feeling this lightheaded, uneasy, kind of slightly out of it feeling. Uh, it was, it's almost like that feeling just before you're about to pass out. So you know that, whoa, like what is going on? And so that was basically our sabbatical three months leave was me you know, just absolutely smashed with what felt almost like a brain injury where I had to sleep every day for about three or four hours. I couldn't focus. I had a migraine headache for about th for the full three months. Every single day, couldn't get rid of this headache. Nothing would get rid of it. Uh, absolutely depleted, just feeling really out of it, really spun out, really spaced out. So we come back to New Zealand after that being a nice little long service leave break. Uh, and I get home and the weekend we arrive back to New Zealand, I'm inducted as senior pastor of Elam Christian Center. And you have to understand, I'm, so, I'm still really not in a good place physically. So physically, I, still don't, I don't know what's gone on. So doctors couldn't give me any answers. They're like, look, you've got a virus or something or whatever. And, but I'm still like, man, something happened when that, in that incident when I got vertigo and I've never recovered. It sort of didn't really come right. And so what I found was these symptoms of feeling a little bit uneasy and, uh, and my balance kind of going out of whack a little bit became really pronounced in certain environments. And one of those environments was church. So church became incredibly difficult. So getting up to preach and preach in front of people and things like that, I would find myself feeling really dizzy and really kind of lightheaded and out of it. And it was always pronounced when I was in places like supermarkets and Mitre 10 or in places with really crazy lighting or church environments became incredibly difficult. And so every time I'd get up to preach in 2020, I felt like I was about to pass out every about five minutes. So can you imagine that? You, you, you're coming in, you're supposed to be the senior pastor of a church, doing ministry for 20 years or so, and then all of a sudden, the very thing that God's asked you to do and the very thing you're giving your life to now becomes the most anxiety-inducing thing you could ever do. So every time you get up to preach and share the word of God, it's literally like I'm about to, I feel like I'm about to pass out and then I've got to recover. And what happens when that happens, if you've ever felt that, is that your heart rate goes up because it's like a stress response. Oh, what's, it's like a fright. And so your heart rate goes up. Can you imagine having that happen every five minutes of every day for months? What happens is it produces a stress response. 
So now your body lives in a heightened state of stress, heightened state of anxiety. So now my resting heart rate starts to go up quite a lot. So then I, I spend most of 2020 with a resting heart rate of about 120 beats a minute. Now, if you go out for a good jog, your heart rate might get up to 120 beats a minute. But when you're lying on the couch watching Married at First Sight, you're not supposed to have a resting heart rate. Leo, I know you do. You good Christians out there, Jeebus. Don't let... Yeah, what, what show's that? I've never heard of that. So, you're so Christian up here in Northland. You're not supposed to sit on the couch with a resting heart rate of 120 beats a minute with your wife lying next to you going, what is that thumping? And it's literally my heart through the couch. That's how elevated I was. And so then what happens is I start uh, having these increased incidences of higher anxiety. And then, then I have my first anxiety attack, panic attack. I'm like, what is that? Where everything just shoots through the roof. All your stress hormones go crazy. And, and then I start having them when I'm preaching. And that's really difficult. When you're standing up in front of hundreds, even thousands of people every Sunday, and then all of a sudden when you start to do what God's called you to do, which you've done for years and years and years, now you have panic attacks while you're doing it in front of all these people. And you're trying to cover over it. You're trying to make your way through it and trying to hope no one notices what's going on. And all of the while having no idea why this is happening. All I knew is something went wrong when I was in Birmingham, England. And I never got better and never came right. And doctors couldn't give me answers. I was going back and forth to the doctor. He's going, look, you're dehydrated. Uh, maybe you have, you know, you're not sleeping. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Got no, no real answers. And then I stopped sleeping. Why? Because my stress level is so high and Sundays come around real fast. And if you've got to preach every single Sunday and you've got to do this thing, which is incredibly difficult because your balance is stuffed and then you start getting anxiety whenever, and anxiety attacks whenever you preach. Now I can get through a Sunday barely and then Monday I sleep, Tuesday I sleep, Wednesday, Sunday's nearly here. And then I start worrying that I've got to get up and do that again. And so then I, then I start not sleeping. I'm sleeping maybe two, three hours a night maximum for about four days. And then you get to Saturday night and I barely sleep an hour and a half or so on a Saturday night and then I've got to get up and preach. And then I'm really worried. I'm really anxious. And then the thought starts coming, how long can you hold on, Steve? How long can you do this for? How, how long until this is no longer tenable? Like how many more weeks or Sundays or months can I do before this all comes to an end and I can't do it? And so I, I look to reach out for help. I start trying to reach out to some people and it kind of doesn't go the way I thought it would because, you know, sometimes when you try and when you're going through something and externally you look fine, but internally it's not okay. And then you reach out for help and sometimes people don't know what to do. And people don't know how to respond, especially when you're dealing with some kind of mental health journey. And you say to somebody, I'm struggling with anxiety. And they go, hey, look, I'll pray for you. And you go, that's not helping me right now. I need something. I need, I need, I need the, so a cry for help and an and, and approach for, hey, this is where I'm at, gets met with something that is a little bit weird and then gets laughed off and pushed to the corner. And I realize in that moment, Steve, you're alone. You're on your own. You've got to try and figure this out. But I've tried to figure it out now this, at this point for about seven months and it's still not okay. And so then I start to really get anxious and I start to really worry and then I start to think, man, Steve, you're alone in this. And then I, I'm crying out to God in the midst of this. So I'm a pastor and I've been serving Jesus for many years and I start crying out to God, God, I need breakthrough. And God's silent. Have you ever felt that before? You've been on that journey where you're like, God, I need you to show up. And I'm calling every healing evangelist I know on the planet and I know a few of them. And I'm like, dude, you need to pray for me. And I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And no matter who's praying for me and how many prayers I get and how many times I'm praying, how many times I'm crying out to God for breakthrough, breakthrough just is not coming. And then I start to fall into what I now know is depression. 
I wake up one day and I'm just not okay. I'm like, oh, gee, this is different. Steve is like this guy who's full of life and full of energy and loves life and loves people and loves God and everything. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I, I don't have any joy. I don't have any life. And, and, then, and then that doesn't go away. And it's like, what is going on? I don't, and, and I, and I want to I wanna say to you today, if you, if, you are, if you struggle with mental health stuff and anxiety and depression, you know what I'm talking about, where there's no more hope, where, where it's like everything in front of you just seems dark and everything around you seems dark and you lose that hope and you lose that joy and you lose that vision for the future. And then I start scaring myself because I think I'm lying in bed at night fantasizing about death more than life. And that's a scary place to be. And it's a scary place to be when you're a dad and you're a pastor and a husband and a friend and a brother. So I get to this place about eight months down the track, nine months down the track, and I find myself in this place of just this pit of despair where there's no more hope and there's no more life and there's no more joy. And I'm like, God, where are you? God, I think you've gone. I think you've left me. I'm alone in the dark. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to talk to. And Sunday's coming real fast. And panic is still there and anxiety is still there and depression's incredibly deep and set in. And I end up a crumpled mess on my bedroom floor the day before my 15th wedding anniversary. And I'm lying on the floor in my bedroom crying uncontrollably because at that point I realize I've lost everything and I don't know my way back. And I don't know what to do. And I don't know who to talk to. And I don't know where God is in the midst of it. Because I'm like, God, I've served you this far. Where did you go? And why aren't you answering me? And why aren't you helping me? And why, why am I at this place now? And then I just can't even do anything. In fact, in that point, like getting out of bed is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Going to church is impossible. There were some Sundays where I literally would get in my car to drive to church and I'd sit in my car with the engine running for 30 minutes and then leave and go back to my room and go back to bed. I couldn't even walk in the door. The thought of going to church was like, I would describe to a friend, said, asking me to go and do church is like asking me to climb Mount Everest with bare feet. It's impossible. I, can't, I just can't do it. It's just so far beyond. So I've gotten to this place of despair and panic and anxiety and depression and, it, and from that point of being a crumpled mess on my bedroom floor, crying for about three hours, till the, the moment a friend came and showed up at my door and picked me up off that floor and began a journey of healing and restoration, that began the hardest journey of my life. I thought it was tough to that point, but the next three months was the hardest journey of my life. And so I need to tell you, it's a miracle I'm here. It's a miracle I'm telling you this story. It's a miracle uh, that I'm still doing what God called me to do. And from that day to this, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey. We're 2023. My, my, my bottom out moment was September 2020. So from that point to this point, it's been a journey. And it's been a journey of healing. And it's been a journey of discovering God in the midst of the storm. Right? And a friend of mine asked me just the other day, they said, Steve, what have you learned from all this? What, have you, what has God taught you? What have you learned in the midst of what, all that you've gone through? And um, I want to share what I learned with you today. Is that okay? I want to share that. So here's some of my learnings. Here's the first thing I learned. The presence of pain is not the absence of God. 
The presence of pain is not the absence of God. Even though in the midst of pain, you may not see him, feel him, or experience him like you have before. I love how David wrote in Psalm 23, he just says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to lie down in green pastures beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, can I tell you that there's going to be, some, for some of you, there's going to be a point where you literally walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's real. It's that place where you're like, I can't see anything. I can't feel God. I'm alone, and it's dark, and it's cold, and it's horrible. But even in the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say? You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In my darkest moment on the journey, I couldn't even see God, feel God, know God. And what I wanted from God was the momentary instant miracle. You know, it's like, God, I just need you to show up. I need the breakthrough. God, like, if you want me to keep doing this with my life, you have to show up. And what I wanted was the momentary miracle, but that didn't come. So what I had to discover was the miracle on the way. And I love when Jesus healed people. Some people, was like the momentary, instant miracle. But do you remember the story of the 10 lepers? He said, as they went on their way, they were healed. Sometimes God does a miracle on the way, not just in the moment. And often I discover, I've discovered that the miracle on the way is actually one of the greatest formation moments of faith in your life. You're going to discover more on the way than you would ever discover in the moment. I remember this one time lying in bed at 3 a.m. because I couldn't sleep. And when I say I couldn't sleep, it was just because I had so much anxious, nervous energy just coursing through my body. It was like I thought I was losing my mind. And I remember lying there feeling alone in the dark. And I said, God, I don't even know if you're here anymore, but I've followed you this far, so I'm going to keep following. Even though I don't know you're here, even though I can't see you, I know your way, so I'm going to walk it, even though I don't know if you're around anymore. That, friends, is one of those proving moments in your faith where you lose everything, but you still follow. You still follow. I've come to realize that no one's immune from pain or suffering, even the pastor. I've, you know, in fact, as you read the New Testament, and it's funny because I read the Bible with a little bit of a new lens now, but as I read most of the New Testament, do you know what I see? I see breakthrough coupled with suffering. And if we're going to have a, be a church that has a theology of breakthrough, we've also got to have a theology of suffering. Because I want to encourage you to read your New Testament. And as you read through the whole New Testament, what the theme that I see repeated more than anything is trials, suffering, trials, suffering. Hold on. Stay steadfast. Don't quit. Keep going for God. It's difficult. I know. Suffering. It's all right. It's the shaping of it. James 1, 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I wonder what he's talking about there. What kind of trials are you walking through today? Trials of various kinds. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you know what that moment for me at 3 a.m. was? It was approving. It was approving. It was a steadfastness. It was a place in my faith that I'd never gone before, but I needed to go. And I wonder what kind of trial you're going through today. I wonder what various kinds of things that you're experiencing. And I wonder what God is wanting to produce in you in it. And some of you are holding out for the momentary miracle, but maybe God wants to do a miracle on the way. Maybe God wants to change and shape and form things. See, maturity in faith is not allowing suffering to shake you, but allowing it to shape you. 
That's maturity in faith. And my concern is that we, have a, we can grow a generation of people that think Jesus came to make their lives happy and easy. When, in fact, he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart of overcome the world. So I, I want to encourage you to move to a level of maturity so that when suffering comes, you don't allow it to shake you and knock you off the path, but you allow it to form you and shape you in the midst of it. We often want that instant healing, but what inspires me more than meeting someone who got healed instantly is meeting the person who's weathered the storm for Jesus and has stayed steadfast in the midst of it all. When I meet that person who's just like, you've been to hell and back and you held on to Jesus, I admire you so much. It encourages my faith so much. So much more than the person who said, yeah, I was sick and God just showed up and healed me. I'm like, that's amazing. I love that. And I believe in it. And I've seen God do it in miraculous ways over and over and over. But what inspires me more is that 80-year-old man or God of, of faith and they just, man and woman of faith and just, walked through the journeys and storms of life and said, you know what? I've held on to Jesus. Stay steadfast, man. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. What I've discovered in the pain is actually God like I never knew him before. And I don't know what storm you're in right now. I don't know what you're going through, but I don't know what storms are to come. But you may not feel him, but I want to encourage you that the Lord is near. The presence of pain is not the absence of God. In fact, sometimes in the darkest places, God's working his greatest miracles. It was in the tomb that God was bringing resurrection. It's in those places of pain and hardship and suffering that God has a purpose way beyond that what we might understand and what we might see in the midst of it all. So enjoy the miracle on the way. The second thing I've learned along the journey is this, number two, to embrace my weaknesses. The truth is this, that even today, preaching is one of the hardest things I can do. So I still have this condition. It's, it's now the, the virus. I've, I've since learned that I have a condition called vestibular neuritis. And so that means that there was permanent damage done to the nerve in my right ear that works on the balance center. So that now has a major deficiency. It only works about 30% of what it should. So every single day, I'm affected by this. And bar a miracle of God, I will be affected by this for the rest of my days. It's why I sit down to preach. It's why I wear a hat to preach. It's because it takes away stimulation because my brain is processing information as yours does, I hope, um, all the time. I'm not going to assume. Uh, all the time. And, but what it's also doing is it's doing the job in the background that the balance center is supposed to do. And so if I get overstimulated with information, it can't do everything. And so it gives something up. That's why I feel lightheaded sometimes when I preach. So taking away the, the having to stand and figure balance out that way, taking away a little bit of a light stimulation, it all helps me to do what I do and to stay focused and keep doing this. So still today, preaching is one of the hardest things I can do. In fact, even just last Sunday, I was preaching at Botany and I had this moment where I just got spun out again. I had to pause, had to stop, had to pray, had to just take a few moments just to recenter myself. But here's the cool thing. God's call for me hasn't changed. So, so in the midst of this now being, like if you ask me, Steve, what's the hardest environment with the condition that you have? I'm like, this is the hardest environment. This is by far, in a way, the hardest thing I can do with my life is to get up here and, say, and to preach and to do this thing. But God's call for me didn't change. And so I'm no longer the strong, able, capable Steve that I've always been. And if you would ask me to describe myself growing up, I'm strong, I'm able, I'm capable, I can do most things. I've always been physically active. I've always been able to kind of get on with stuff and do things. So, so I'm no longer the strong, able, capable Steve that I used to be. So that strong, able, capable Steve, some of that had to die 
along the way, I think in order for me to experience God's power and God's grace in a measure I never would have experienced. So this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8. He's got this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but it's something that is, that is really hindering him and it's restrictive and it's giving him some kind of deficiency in his life. And he prays to God three times that God would take it away. He even describes it as a messenger from Satan. It's like, this is attack on me. That it's, there's this physical condition, this ailment that's, that's affecting me. And I prayed, I said, God, take it away. God, and if God's gonna answer anyone's prayer, the apostle Paul's up there. Like, in, like he wrote most of your New Testament, like was Saul, now Paul, like planted most churches, like amazing, amazing man of faith, man of God. And he's like, God, take it away. God, take it away. God, take it away. And God's answer to him is my grace is sufficient for you. Wow. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I've preached this verse so many times. Now I had to live it. Where it was like, actually, God, what you're asking me to do, I'm not strong enough to do. It's really hard for me to do this. So, I have to die a little to me and my ability and have to embrace that God is still going to work and His grace is sufficient and He's going to do His thing and His power is made perfect for me and my weakness. So actually, Steve, weak is not a bad place to be. You can get up every Sunday and be incredibly weak and just trust the power of God to move in your life. Part of me embracing my weaknesses, thank you. Part of me embracing my weaknesses was realizing I can't fix me. And there's some things in your life that you aren't able to fix on your own. That's why God gave us biblical community. That's why God gave us the church. That's why God gave us one another. Asking for help is one of, was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it's one of the strongest things I ever did, was asking for help. And, and for those of you who are journeying, maybe like me, a journey through mental health issues and concerns and challenges, I want to encourage you, the best thing you can do is get professional help. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid of that. Go and get some professional help. I had to walk that journey of going, I don't know how to fix me. If I could have fixed me, I would have done it ages ago. And if you could fix you, you would have done it ages ago. But you can't. It's why you need somebody else, someone with professional skills. So for me, it began a, a, like a three-month intensive counseling and therapy journey to diagnose what was going on for me, why it was going on, and then create a pathway for me to come out of the other side and find help. And so the journey from not even me on a shop to church to preaching multiple services on a Sunday was three months of intensive work and then the ongoing journey with that as well. So friends, go and ask for help. Go get professional help. Go seek it out if you can fix if you can't fix yourself go find someone who can help you along the way not everything you're experiencing is necessarily a spiritual attack so for those of those who have journeyed mental health this is what i want to say sometimes and i've seen it before god will show up in a moment and do a miracle and heal people and deliver people of that some of us have to walk a miracle along the way some of us have to have to figure this thing out with god and with people that he gives us and so the question is, was what I experienced a spiritual attack? Maybe. Yes and no. Maybe yes. Does the devil want to take out someone who's like leading a church and preaching the gospel? And so I'd say that's, you know, on his agenda. It's probably on his to-do list. But is the answer to fix the problem that I was going through completely spiritual? No, there's a whole lot of physical components to that. There's a whole lot of 
psychological components to that where I have to actually do some hard work and I have to get some tools and I have to talk to some people and I have to undo some thinking and I have to have what the Bible calls a renewing of your mind, changing the way you think. You get transformed into a new creation by changing the way you think. And so it's understanding that journey and going on a, a, a journey to understand, okay, Steve, you've got post-traumatic stress. You had a traumatic event. Now you've got stress. Now you've got depression. Now you've got this other thing. Okay, how do we get beyond those kinds of things, walking hand in hand with God and with the people he's given us. It's knowing my limitations, knowing what I can and cannot do. It's knowing the limitations I now have with this physical aim. And okay, that's all right. Trust the grace of God. God's still working in the midst of it. I've had to learn to trust that God is going to work in the midst of my weakness. So I just got to keep showing up. If I show up, God will. Showing up is half the battle. Actually, I think it's about 90% of the game. If you, want to keep, if you want to know, like, live out the fullness of what God has for your life, just don't stop showing up. Just be that kind of person who's like, oh, you know what? I'm just not going to quit. I want to, but I'm not going to. In fact, along the journey, here's what, what happened. My prayer began to change. My prayers began to change. My prayer went from God fix me to God I trust you. God fix me. Nah, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. If you want to heal me in an instant, you will. But if you want to work something else out of this, I'll trust you in that as well. And for some of you, that's the key takeaway for you today, is that your prayer must change from God fix me to God I trust you along the way. Some of you here today, I really believe, are so fixated on your weaknesses and your limitations that you limit the power of God and what God can do in you and through your life because of them. Perhaps it's your weakness that's the very thing that God wants to use as a vehicle for the manifestation of His power and His grace in a measure like you've never seen before. So it's okay to be weak. Ben, you guys enjoy me. Here's my last thing I think I've learned along the way. I'm still learning stuff, by the way. Here's the last thing I think I've learned. Um, number three, ask what, not why. Ask what, not why. So often we get to the question of why way too early. God, why is there a storm? God, why have I got this diagnosis? Why me? God, why not that thing? Or why did this happen? Or what? The question, see, why did this happen to you? I don't know. Sometimes I think the question of why is a question that you will find answers to in time. Because the Bible says that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him accord according to His purposes, Romans 8, 28. So, so God's promise to you is that no matter what you experience, He's going to work good. Great. Are you going to experience good when you're in a storm? Are you going to understand the good when you're in a storm? Probably not. So the question of why, although an important question, is often not the most relevant or helpful question. I've learned that the better question is what? God, what are you wanting to do in the midst of this? Not why are you doing it or why has this happened to me? God, what do you want to do in the midst of this storm? Do I believe that God orchestrated me to get sick and get this virus that messed up my ear? No, but God, what do you want to do in the midst of it? What is it you want to do? What are you wanting to shape in me? What are you wanting to change in me? What are you, what are you going to do? What good are you going to do in the midst of all this? In, in the passing of time, you'll understand why. And sometimes that's decades down the track. And for those of you who've weathered the storms, you know, you can look back and go, okay, I kind of get why. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes why is an eternity question. When you get to heaven, you can say, okay, God, you and me, why? 
But between now and then, I think the better question is what? God, what do you want to shape in me? What do you want to fix in me? What do you want me to die to? What do you want me to get rid of? And the, the question that, the answer to that question for me was simply that God wanted me to trust Him. That's it. That's what I had to learn. That's what God wanted to do. God, what do you want to do? And He's just like, just trust me. Just trust me like you've never trusted me before. Trust me with your calling. Trust me with your messages and Sundays. Trust me in the chaos of having this condition. Just, just trust me in the midst of it. You know, through that process of trust, I'll tell you a few things. My faith is stronger. I've got greater resolve to follow Him. My character's changed. I'm a better leader. I'm more compassionate, more empathetic. I've got way more grace for people and their journeys and their stories. I'm a better pastor, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better follower of Jesus as a result of all of those things. Now, would I ever want to go through that again? No. No. But am I thankful for it all? Yeah, I am. Would I ever want to journey that thing again? No, thank you. I don't want to. But am I thankful? Am I grateful that there's a God who brings beauty out of ashes, who takes broken vessels and He makes them whole? who takes our junk and takes our brokenness and he has this ability in this way of restoring and resurrecting and bringing new life to things that seem dead. God has this incredible way of doing it. So bar a miracle for me, I'll live with this condition for the rest of my life, bar a miracle. And I'm still trusting God for that. But if that's so, I pray for me that, and I, and I pray for you in your storm as well, that we just continue to trust him and experience in a greater measure His power and our weakness and through it all through my life that it would bring glory to God and a strengthening to His church that's all I pray so in your storm or the storms to come what is God wanting to do in your life what is He asking of you what is He calling you into have I experienced God's grace in this oh yeah have I experienced His transformative power you you better believe that have I experienced Him working in moments and situations and bringing people my way who've walk, who are walking a similar journey and I've been able to share the grace and the goodness of God in the midst of their circumstance? Yeah, no matter what you go through, if you come through it and hold on to Jesus, God's gonna bring you people who are walking the same thing because you're gonna be a strength to them. That's how He does it. It's what He does, right? So what is God wanting to do in your life and through your life? Your storm may be similar to mine, You may be in the midst of that right now. Can I encourage you? God loves you if you're in the middle of it. There's no stigma. There's no like, and I I, kind of believe that some way God wanted me to share my story is about taking away an over-spiritualized, under-rational stigma around mental health in the church. Like I've, you know, walking that journey of being full-on depressed and being on medication and going through all that stuff. Like if that's you, you're okay. You're okay here. Can God do a miracle and heal you? Yes. Does sometimes He want you to walk a journey? Yeah, too. Yeah, that too. And and I pray that this would be the kind of place where if you're not okay, you can actually tell somebody and that we will move heaven and earth to help you. I really do pray that. Pray that we would have heart and compassion for people walk different journeys and things.
But what is God wanting to do in your life and in your storm? Well, right now, uh, as you walked in today, you would have got this little communion cup. And I'd love to just take a moment right now to lead us in communion before I go any further. Because no matter what you're in right now, good, bad, ugly, amazing, flourishing, top of the world, valley of the shadow of death, wherever you are, here's what I know. We go but by the grace of God. It's the only way we go. And what I love about communion and I love about this little act, this small act where we take bread and we take wine or in this case juice is we are remembering today that it's not about us at all. It's not about my ability. It's not about my goodness. It's not about my righteousness. It's not about my perfection. It's not about my strength. It's about His. I hope you understand that's what the cross is all about and what grace is all about and what following Jesus is all about. It's not about you and your ability and your awesomeness and your perfection and your ability to meet the standard. It's not about your strength to do this. It's about His perfected strength and His perfect work on the cross to pay the debt for sin that you and I owed. That we in our weakness and our brokenness can come and be partakers and receivers of grace. So communion is this moment, this reminder that actually, Steve, all about Jesus. It's all about Him, His body broken, His blood shed for you and for me. So can I pray and then we're going to eat and drink together. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the cross. We thank You for Jesus. And today we make a decision to remember Your body broken, Your blood shed. And so Lord, if we've made it about us, we ask You to forgive us of that. It's not about our perfection, but it's about yours. And we get to receive the grace of God that we then are clothed in your perfection through Jesus. Thank you, it's not about our strength and our might, but it's about the power of your victory over death on that cross. And so, Lord, we just come and humbly submit ourselves in the Lord. In the midst of our own weakness, in the midst of our own pain, in the midst of whatever we're going through, we say, Lord, we remember this is all about you. And so, Lord, would you have your way in our lives, in our hearts. We thank you for your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us in Jesus' name. Let's just eat and drink together, friends. Just as you're doing that, I would love to do two more things before we finish our service. Um, and I've gone a little over time, but that's all good because I'm the boss. I can do what I want. <laughs> I don't know if you heard the first part of the story. I got inducted as senior pastor, so I can just make things up, do what I want. Um, here's what I want to do. Can I, can I invite everyone just to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment? I want to pray for a couple of groups of people. I would love to pray for you right now if you are in a place where you're struggling with your uh, mental health. Maybe you are, you're struggling with anxiety. Maybe you're in the midst of depression. You know, maybe like 
what's, cra- what's been crazy over the last few days is like, it's almost like we've all had little like flashbacks to the COVID anxiety. Oh, we have to stay home again. Can't go out again. And so everyone's like, man, I don't know if you felt it, but my heart rate went up. But I'd love to pray for you today if you are if you're journeying your own little journey of mental health. Maybe it's depression, anxiety, whatever else. Um, and I'd love to just quickly know who I'm praying for. Um, so just while every eyes closed and head bowed, and I really want you to respect each other out of this. And, and I'm not doing this because it's something we want to hide, because I, I really want to encourage you if you're struggling that you've got to talk to somebody. You really, really do. And if you don't feel like you're safe to talk to anybody else, I'm going to be hanging out here at the front of the service for a little while. Come and talk to me. Because if you don't think anyone's going to listen or anyone's going to help you, I will. So if that's you, just right where you are. Just give me a little friendly wave and I'll know exactly who I'm praying for. Yep. Awesome. Easy, easy. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Now this, I'm going to do that again for those who are too scared to do it the first time because you're anxious about doing it because you think I'm going to make you do something. I'm not going to make you do anything else except wave at me. Okay. Ready? All right. You can wave at me now. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I knew you guys were there. Okay. Father, I thank you for each of these precious men and women that you have in this room that, Lord, have taken a moment of vulnerability and said, you know what, that's me, I'm struggling. God, I thank you, you see them, you know them. And I thank you for your word that says, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because you are with us. And even though right now some of them don't know that and don't feel that and can't experience that to what they used to feel, God, I thank you for the truth of your word that says that you are with us in the midst of it, that you are walking. I want you, Lord, now just even to remind them that they're not alone. They don't go anywhere alone. God, that you go with them, that you see them, that you love them. And Lord, I pray right now, I do pray, Lord, for a moment, an instant momentary miracle to happen right now that in the hearts and the minds of those who are struggling that you would do a miracle Jesus like you that we just we just ask right now that you would heal anxiety heal depression any mental illness is going on that any post-traumatic stress any Lord that you would just move Holy Spirit and do a momentary miracle right now to heal these people and set them free and bring joy back to their lives oh God I pray in Jesus name but I also pray oh God that you would have your way on the way Lord, for some, maybe you're asking them to walk a journey because there's more to discover on the journey than there is in the moment. And so, Lord, we trust you that whatever you have for them to to discover along the way, whatever renewing of their mind that needs to take place, whatever healing of a deeper measure and level needs to happen, I pray that you'd help them on the journey, strengthen them on the journey. Lord, bring people to them that are gonna help them along the way. And give them the courage to talk. Give them the courage to be open and honest and vulnerable. Lord, that you just move. Lord, give us compassion for one another and a heart to walk a journey with people. Lord, that we as a church would not be so concerned with our own business that we forget and neglect the needs of others around us. Give us a heart to walk with people to help them to journey with them. Lord, we don't have all the answers, but Lord, we can, we know the one who does. So we look to you in this moment. Bless them, O God. 
Bless them, Lord, for being here. I know it took a lot for some of them to be here, so bless them, oh God, for doing that. I want to pray another prayer this morning. and um, Just while everyone's still got their eyes closed and head bowed, um, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you're here in this room and you're not right with God, I'd love to give you an opportunity to get right with Him today. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you have done that before some time ago or recently, but the honest truth is you're sitting here today and you know you're not right with God. You've walked away, you've fallen away, you're doing your own thing, but maybe today's God is calling you back to Him. I would love to lead you in a very simple prayer to come back to the Lord today. Maybe even for some of you today, that's why you came to church. You don't know who this weird dude wearing a hat is on the stage, but you know you're here because you need to follow Jesus. You know you're here because God, you need to get right with God today. The truth is, friends, God loves you. God made you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. And the payment that's due for our sin is death. God in His grace, He sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. And when He died on that cross, He paid the debt that you and I would do for our sin. And then He conquered death in the grave and He rose again to new life. And He extends to every single one of you today grace, forgiveness for all of your wrongs, all your sin, all your guilt, all your shame, your debt paid. You get a brand new life in Him. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you a new person from the inside out. You get to walk into the great plans that God has for your life. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God has a great plan for you, friends. And then there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. This life is not the end of the story. God is painting a picture on a much bigger canvas, and He's got a part for you in it. Friends, if you're here today, you're not right with God. I'd love to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. I'm going to pray this out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. This is your prayer, not mine. Are you ready? Just say these words in your heart. Say, God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned and I know I've messed up, but I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old way and I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my wrongs and I ask you to come and be the Lord of my life. I choose from this day to follow after you, would you come in and make me brand new today? In Jesus' name. Just with your eyes. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.